in Miami going to the three right away. Just attack the basket. James catches, puts up the three. Won't go. Rebound box. Back out to Allen. His three-pointer. Ultimate Super Coach and Fantasy Sports Show. You are now listening to the Insight Fantasy Sports Podcast. Boom shakalaka! Yes, welcome back, guys, to the Insight NBA Show, bringing you the best of all things fantasy basketball. I'm Nathan Brain, and you can find me on Twitter at sc underscore brain. And I'm joined by my good mate. Mickey Dell, the big horse. How are you, mate? Hello, Nate. This is exciting. First one we get to do together, mate. And for those of you mate. watching at home, you can find me at Big Horse. Uh, yeah, do your best to find out where the one and the O and everything else is. <laughs> I welcome any sort of comments, good or bad. Just making it a challenge for people to follow you, mate. I like it. You know, the true the true followers will find you. Don't you worry. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mate, how exciting. You know, first podcast for us to do together. We're, we're normally obviously split on different sides of the uh, football code, I guess you could say, with, with NRL for myself, with the Matrix. Uh, and you're usually lining up with uh, Robbie Kennedy, the, the Super Coach Hawk, but uh, we get to join forces today, mate, to chat all things Atlanta Hawks. And I'm really excited about it as an Atlanta Hawks follower and faithful. Uh, mm. But, mate, you get to give some subjective chat. I'm going to be very biased about how I approach the Atlanta Hawks this year, as I always am every year, but you're going to kind of level me out a little bit, which I'm, which I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I'll try my best. You do love your Hawks, <laughs> so let's see how this goes. We'll see how we go. We'll see how we go. Mate, the, the fondest memory I actually have of, uh, of you and the Atlanta Hawks specifically would be in NBA 2K when yeah. I, I remember the first ever My League we played in together. Uh, I came into a league halfway through and I was given the Denver Nuggets and, and the squad was pretty putrid to be fair. And I've come in and I remember the first game I played against you for any NBA 2K faithfully out there. Uh, you had DeAndre Hunter, who was stacked with badges, corner specialist on Hoth. Uh, he had all the clamps in the world and Cam Reddish, who was probably nearly as good as bloody Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think you beat me by about 50. So that was, that was a good time. Oh, I must have been kicking with a good win that game. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, they did. They the let a bit of wind into the stadium. But how good is it that, like for us lads, we've all started from that that background of basketball. We've been doing the rugby or the NRL, sorry, the AFL, doing bits of BBL. You can catch us with some Ashes chat on our Discord. But now this this is where it all formulated through NBA basketball. So we're keen as mustard to, uh, to get the season underway. And to give our viewers... A really good insight as to how we believe the NBA fantasy season will track. Yeah, and look, we've got so much content coming. I mean, I've I've seen the content calendar from Matty G, who's done an incredible job, and and people are going to want to subscribe. So make sure if you're watching this one, hit subscribe, hit like, follow us on all the audio channels, whether it's Spotify, if it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You've got. We're basically on everything, so follow us there wherever you get your podcasts because there is plenty coming. You would have seen that the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers show uh, team preview has already dropped as well, so this will be the second of the season with 28 more to come. So there's plenty to talk about leading into the fantasy basketball season. Now, uh, the show is brought to you by the Standard Squeeze. We can't forget the guys at the Standard Squeeze. The guys have some awesome products to help you drink responsibly and conveniently, and you can use the code INSIGHT15. 
to get yourself 15% off everything on their store. And you'll see if you're watching us on YouTube, Mickey Dell is uh, showing the squeeze bottle and I and him have our four-in-ones that the guys have kindly engraved for us as well. Good blokes over at the Standard Squeeze. Uh, mate, let's dive in. Today's show, we're going to be previewing the Atlanta Hawks 23-24 season. But firstly, we're going to talk through a little bit about how they went last year. We're going to talk about the player movement in the offseason and, and whether there's anything to watch there. We're going to talk through our watch list as well in terms of a couple of players that might be on the watch list to uh, to keep an eye on in your fantasy drafts leading up or maybe even the waiver wire early in the season. We're going to do a deep dive on their depth chart. And lastly, we're going to give our predictions on how they're going to go this season. Mine might be a little bit more biased than yours, but we'll see how we go. Uh, so, mate, let's, let's dig into how they went last season. Because, I mean, the Atlanta Hawks, if you look at the Atlanta Hawks on paper, bloody strong squad. But without yeah, me getting too yeah, biased, yeah, yeah. I feel like they went. If you, if you have a look, if you're watching this on YouTube, we've got Jean St. Murray, who was new to the Atlanta Hawks side last year and, and played pretty well. Capella, we'll get into some some background on Capella and what we believe his movements might be this season. Deontre Hunter, which we'll get into as well. Trey Young, who was a bit of a flop last year. Is he going to kick back this year? And again, for those of you watching on YouTube, the reason why John Collins is smiling and laughing right here is because he's no longer on the Atlanta Hawks. So... Congratulations, Utah. You've got another backup power forward. How, how good for John Collins, to be fair. But I think there's a there's a double win going on here when we're talking about John Collins and the movement over to Utah Jazz. Because realistically, what that's created for the Atlanta Hawks is it's created not only a, a second-round pick and Rudy Gay, which they ended up flipping, but it's, tri- it's created $78 million over the next three years that don't have to pay John Collins, which has freed up a lot of cap, and it's also given them a $25 million trade exemption. So they've got a bit of freedom now to to make a couple of moves. And I know that we'll, we'll talk about probably what their plans are and, and where those moves will go over the next month or two leading into the season. But I think it's a win-win. What do you think? I mean, do you, do you feel like Utah maybe benefit from this trade and, and get a bit of uh, strength back into that starting lineup with John Collins at the four? Yeah, I'm not even sure if John Collins starts in Utah, to be honest with you. I thought with the, uh, the way Utah... Uh, went about it last year with Markkinen and Kessler, and uh, they played quite well. Does he come off the bench and provide some scoring punch and be more of that focal point scoring-wise? We know he can score. He can shoot the three. He's not a big rebounder, but he might be able to help out their second unit. But you're right. With with his salary off the books, this frees up the likes of Jalen Johnson, Sadiq Bay, more minutes, more opportunity, but also some more money to be able to go out potentially at the trade deadline if they're uh, track it on all right and go, hey, is there a superstar in the league that we could bring in that could boost our playoff opportunity? And we'll talk about that superstar that they've been targeting. It's very public knowledge that they've been looking at Pascal Siakam from the Toronto Raptors. And whether that comes through or not, we don't know. You know, this is all kind of, uh, I guess, a little bit of guesswork on our part in terms of where they use that money or whether they use it at all, uh, especially before the deadline. I, I assume that he would uh, unless they're going to rely on guys like Jalen Johnson that we'll talk about very soon, or Onyeka Okongwu, who's another one that is uh, mm. a pretty big part of this show. Um, mate, let's talk about DeJounte Murray and and I guess maybe the combination that he formed with Trey Young, or maybe the lack of, is is probably a better word. What are your thoughts on the the Trey Young DeJounte Murray experiment? We'll guess uh, I guess we'll call it for Atlanta Hawks last year. Do you think it worked? 
Was it a flop? Uh, it didn't work. No. Okay. No, when you're talking about your one and your two guard, who are both ranked as below average and not good uh, field goal-wise, you, you need production beyond just scoring points out of your one and two guards. So when, when we look behind the players, uh, Trey Young, yes, he's very good with his three throws. Both are either very good or good statistically in points. Assist-wise, good and very good. Steals, you'd be surprised. Trey Young averaged 1.1 steals last year. But for DeJounte Murray, below average in blocks, both not good to below average in turnovers. You sort of, you need a yin and a yang, for me anyway. Is one going to score more, one play more defense or be more of a facilitator? It, it didn't really – there was no cohesion there last year between the two. So hopefully a season in the books, a proper preseason – are working out together. Hopefully, they've created a, a stronger bond and can take this team where we both thought last year they might be able to get to within the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. In the on paper, you just look at these two and you go, "Hang on, this is going to be seriously good for Atlanta." And mm-hmm. it just didn't come to fruition, didn't it? It it kind of looked like maybe Trey Young didn't want to let the reins go for Atlanta. And and look, naturally, the guys he's been the guy for since he was drafted. To be fair, so you can understand why it'd be a little bit tough for for. Trey Young to be able to kind of let the main ball handling duties go. Uh, DeJounte Murray tried to fit into a more natural two role uh, for Atlanta, and it just didn't really work out considering the guy loves a ball in his hands. And and when they were off the court and when one of them, let's say DeJounte was running the second unit at times when they did that split rotation, he looked fantastic and Atlanta looked fantastic. And Trey Young actually took a step up in assists this year, which is bizarre considering you've brought on a natural facilitator in DeJounte Murray that come across from a career year at the Spurs. So there, there's a lot to look at and there's a lot to unpack with with last year. But look, in reality, they finished 41 and 41. Dead on 500 for the year. So I'd probably call that a disappointing year for Atlanta personally. What are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, I, I uh, tend to agree with you. The year before for DeJounte Murray at San Antonio with the ball being in his hands so much and then coming to Atlanta where you've already got someone like Trey Young who loves the ball in their hands, it didn't really work to start with. But as you just said, as the season went on, they they worked out their splits, I guess, and DeJounte playing the point while Trey was resting. And it started to work pretty well. I think now that John Collins not being there, Sadiq Bay or Jalen Johnson coming into the starting lineup, for me, they're both better shooters than John Collins. It spaces the floor a little bit more. I think a big uptick in their offensive production this year. Speaking of offensive production, Dell, uh, they finished ninth on offense last year. So when you look at their team last year, I mean, naturally, any Trey Young-led team is going to do well offensively. You know, mm-hmm. the, the guy averaged 26 and 10. So so naturally, your, your main point guard, the, the amount of efficiency he had was pretty poor. But ninth on offense is great. Now, the, the issue is defense. 21st in defense out of 30 teams. And uh, when you look at DeJounte Murray, who is an elite defender, and you look at De- uh, DeAndre Hunter, who is also yeah. supposedly a good defender, and mm. you've got a, an elite rim protector in Clint Capella, why are they finishing 21st on defense? There are some concerns there. Uh, and also John Collins, supposedly a good rim protector, we're, we're told, and we're, we're consistently told that John Collins was a good rim protector. Mm. Maybe nah. that's not the case. Or maybe they used him poorly, which I think is probably more the accurate argument. Uh, for John Collins. So hopefully an opportunity for him, mate. But let's move on to off-season because there's a little bit of movement here, not too much, but basically 
the Atlanta Hawks have acquired Patty Mills and Wesley Matthews. Let's talk about Patty Mills first, because obviously the the Atlanta Hawks have built up a lot of kind of, I guess, uh, a, a few players, and they acquired from Houston in uh, in a trade that basically they got for free, which was quite bizarre. Ty Ty Washington, Usman Garuba, guys like that. Uh, they got a second rounder, I think it was, for the John Collins trade, and they also had Rudy Gay. So they had a fair bit of, uh, uh, I guess, movement happening. And then they traded it all for Patty Mills. What are your thoughts on that move? Patty Mills going to be on a $6.8 million expiring contract this year. They're looking at more cap management, I think, with this move. Yeah, I think so. I think with what you're saying earlier with Clint Capella, potentially on the move for someone like Siakam, does that work with salaries? Because Siakam's salary is quite large, along with that trade exemption that they have. So for me, I hope Paddy Mills plays. He deserves a chance to just go out there and throw flames, doesn't he? When he gets going, such a good three-point shooter, can create his own shot. For me, he's probably been a little underused in the NBA in his, what is it now, 11-year, 12-year career. So hopefully he gets a crack off the bench, but my fear is Kobe Bufkin, he looked pretty good in the summer league. He did, didn't he? Yeah, and, and look, we, we mentioned Kobe Bufkin, rookie, drafted 15th pick for the Atlanta Hawks this year. Do they use him as the guy that runs a second unit, as a guy that averages 2.9 assists per game in the in college in 33 games at Michigan? Uh, do they do they rely on him to run the second unit? You've got Bogdan Bogdanovich, who would likely be in that second unit as a part of that. Do they, do they rely on him? Uh, you can't go and throw a rookie in at 15th pick to the Flames, can you, to, to run a whole bench unit? Um, no. So that there's a lot of question marks there around how they use him too. Wesley yeah. Matthews are actually yeah. – sorry, Mick, you go. What I was going to say, Paddy Mills and Wesley Matthews, both known around the league as really good locker room guys as well. So even if they don't play, it's going to have a positive impact on the Atlanta Hawks organization as a whole. It's going to create like stronger chemistry. It's a good shout. I guess you could say. And will help, I guess, the tandem of both DeJounte and Trey. And with this team moving forward, I think it's really smart by the Atlanta Hawks organization to bring these two guys in. And the one thing that we what we kind of mentioned is that they're both on expiring contracts, right? So they've got a lot of flexibility cap-wise to be able to move these guys on if things don't work out. But you're spot on in terms of the locker room guys, and I think the Hawks need a couple. Because Trey Young's been running this organization now for, it was it four years now that he's been in the league. Is it working? I mean, for the Atlanta Hawks, they haven't won a chip. They haven't really kind of contested too far into the Eastern Conference Finals. I think it was two years ago, but they haven't really looked like being that kind of competitor that you'd want them to be. So there's a lot of question marks, and it'll be very interesting to see how they play that out this year. But yeah, mm-hmm. lots of uh, lots of chat around the movement there. But Wesley Matthews expiring on $3.2 million a year and knock down three-point shooter too. So are they trying to put three-point shooters around Trey this year? Uh it looks like they kind of are, really, like which which is a good move. Yep. And then Kobe Bufkin, he can attack the room pretty well, as we saw in Summer League. And then if it's not Kobe, it could be DeJounte when Trey's having a rest. Space the floor, give these guys room to operate. Assist numbers might go up for both Murray and well, Bufkin. Well, what the average? 2.6, I think it was in college? Yeah. Yeah, something along the lines. It wasn't huge. 2.9 assists a game, I think it was. Yeah. So, I mean... Not huge, uh, but you've got so many guys that can run this second unit, and uh, Quinn Snyder's gone and shown us that he likes using DeJounte in that second unit, so uh, I wouldn't be opposed coach. to that. Yeah, He's absolutely. Mm. But there's a couple of concerns for me around how Quinn Snyder used a couple of players, and we'll talk about that 
soon. But let's let's move in now. Obviously, we're past the off-season movement now. Let's talk a little bit more around the depth chart. And for anybody watching us on YouTube, they're going to see a few indicators on the left-hand side of each player. So if you're listening to us on audio, I'd probably urge you to come over and check us out on YouTube and watch the episode over here because uh, we have put some slides together to make it a little bit more easy to reference uh, for a lot of us. So you'll see the equals on the page there means basically that we we feel the player will probably stay in the same in terms of their NBA fantasy basketball rank for the year. You'll see the negatives there. We think that player is going to take a step back. We'll see the positives. Uh, the green pluses there. We think the player is going to take a step up. The left and right, red and green means that we're not quite sure. And there's a few things that may change between now and the season starting. So it's a watch this space. And then we'll see the yellow crosses, basically, that will say that this person's probably not a consideration this year for your fantasy basketball drafts, at least. They may be a streaming option, but they're definitely not an option at the draft. Now, let's talk depth in terms of the Atlanta Hawks, mate. And, and the one thing, let's start with Trey Young, because it's probably the easiest place to start. Now, his ADP last year was 10, mm -hmm. which is first round. Now... I guess we preface this maybe in terms of conversation by talking about the fact that we're talking 12-team, nine-category uh, leagues at the moment. Now, Trey Young was drafted at the back end of the first round last year and finished with a fantasy rank of 23, according to Hashtag Basketball. What are your thoughts on Trey Young's year? Because I know you mentioned at the start, had a bit of a flop year. Want to expand on that a little bit? Yeah, disappointing. I think with the, the type of player that he is, he's, he's quite out there with his confidence I expected him to take that next step and lead the organisation deeper into the playoffs. What, they won one or two games against Boston, who were a good team last year. But even in that 41 and 41 for the, the regular season, ranked 23rd overall, it's it's not Trey Young that we know. I anticipate this year that he'll be at the back, back, at the back end of the first round. So we're looking deeper into Trey Young. Only 43% field goal percentage last year, which is down, down. 8.2 makes on 19 attempts per game. His free throw percentage is always going to be good. He's almost at 89%. 26.2 points, which is very good. 10.2 assists, which is ranked as elite. 1.1 steals, which it surprises me because he's not known as a good defender. But being a good defender and getting steals are two different things when we're talking NBA basketball and when we're talking fantasy. So he's ranked as good when it comes to steals. And, well, he's five foot fuck all, so he gets no blocks, but turnovers is ordinary as well. 4.1 turnovers per game, which is ranked as bad or not good. So you're almost looking at if if you're picking up a Trey Young type of player, you're going to partner him with who Joel Embiid maybe, and then you're going to punt turnovers because they're probably going to average eight between them per game. And let me ask you this, Mick. Do you punt three-point percentage as well, if that's a category in your league? Because he averaged 33.5% from three last year, which was his worst season since his rookie year. And, and that concerns me because he was taking a lot of three-point shots. So basically, are you punting threes now and punting turnovers when you're picking up Trey Young? You almost have to. Like, I, I believe he'll have a back out up a getting back to his old self-season but when you're talking those sort of stats and the amount that he jacks up, it's it's not great. It's not pretty reading. Like field goal, uh, three-pointer makes, no worries. But percentage-wise, that could really hurt you. Completely agree. I actually drafted Trey Young last year in one of my fantasy basketball leagues in ESPN, and I picked him up with the ninth pick. 
and look, as an Atlanta Hawks supporter, there's a bit of bias there. So I thought, you know what, it'll be nice to be able to kind of follow Trey a little bit deeper than I normally would. But he let me down big time. His efficiency was poor. Uh, 43% for a, you know, for a point guard. It's not that great for a guy that attacks the rim really well. You know, when we look at Trey Young, like he attacks the rim well, finishes well. So he's taking a lot of three-point attempts this year that really dragged his rank down. And when we look at where his rank was compared to where he finished the season, he's down 13 ranks. ADP at 10, finished at 23. So basically what you're getting when you pick up a guy in the first round is you're getting borderline second round pick, which is not what you want when you're picking up a guy in the first round. So does Trey Young now slide to end of second round, start of third round value? I, I don't think he slides that far. I think he gets he gets picked up middle of second rounds, probably in and around 18 for me now. I don't think he slides all the way to 23 where – his uh, end fantasy value was last year because I, I believe there is going to be an uptick back in his production, but people are going to be scared off by the turnovers and by the poor three-point percentage that he produced last year. And I guess it comes down to like how you're structuring your team too, right? Like we know mm-hmm. in fantasy basketball in general, whether it's Yahoo, ESPN, it doesn't matter. It, if you want assists, you have to get them early in the in the first probably three to four rounds. Otherwise, they just disappear at the back end of your draft. So if you really want assists in your categories you need to get them early in probably the first two rounds so if and and look when we look at trey young assists are elite you know he's in the elite category 10.2 assists a game and that was up on last year at 9.7 so he's taken a 0.5 assist bump with DeJounte in the team which i actually thought would take a hit so very interesting the way that played out but yeah 88.6 percent from the free throw line is is fantastic as well so you're definitely not punting that category but the efficiency last year was pretty poor so he averaged 2.13s per game uh i mean you probably want a little bit more from trey young knowing that he can actually shoot the deep ball pretty well so uh very interesting it'll be an interesting watch and i like the fact that you probably said he won't slide maybe as much but i reckon he still does i reckon he is fantastic value at the back end of the second round if you can pick him up around that pick 18 to 22 he will mm. if he if he picks back up to a thirty-seven to thirty-eight percent three, which he has shown us he's done every every year aside from his his rookie year, he he could end up back to a top ten player. And looking into the stats here, Trey Young to Dejounte Murray. Dejounte Murray is known as a really good defensive guard. Murray only averages 0.4 steals more per game. Can you believe that? It's a good, really good point. Crazy, isn't it? When you look at numbers, numbers don't lie, do they? Zero point yeah. three blocks a game for Dejounte as well, who's what six mm. five, as opposed to a six one guard who's zero point two blocks less. So, very yeah. interesting. Very interesting the way that you watch it. But I'll tell you a fun stat as well. I've been looking at threes a lot, and Dejounte shot thirty eight percent from three last year. Trey shot thirty three percent from three, and well, you would think it'd be the other way around, right? So yeah, you would. Mm. And I feel like maybe there might be a regression for Dejounte. He actually shot the ball quite well from the two last year. Maybe there'll be a regression there, and maybe we'll see a bit of a progression from Trey Young to find that 37, 38.3 range. Um, we've spoken enough about Dejounte and Trey. These guys are the two main guys that we're talking about at Atlanta, and, and 23rd ranked for Trey, 47 for Dejounte, who was actually had an ADP last year of 23. So for anybody who picked up DeJounte in the first two rounds, you'd be spewing with a 47 fantasy rank at the end of the year. Hopefully you moved him on. But let's talk Clint Capella because there's a little bit of chat around the traps at Atlanta that they're going to move on Clint Capella and he's actually been put on the trade block. So what are your thoughts on on Capella this year? 
yeah, I think he's he's almost got a move. He's had three or four years there. Serviceable, quite good at times, but hasn't really worked with him there. He's a constant double-double guy. What's, what's the average here? 65% field goal percentage, 60% from the line, which is pretty ordinary. 11 rebounds per game, 1.2 blocks, which is okay, but not fantastic. 0.7 steals per game, 26 minutes, but he gets hurt a lot. That's that's what I've he noticed. Does. When he's on the court, he's good. But if you're picking players in the first four or five rounds, you want them playing. That's that's where you're getting your value. Uh, I, I don't that, see value in Capella. Capella's 29 years old. Do we start to see a regression from him? Does Father Time start to catch up with Clint Capella a little bit? And is that the reason why the Atlanta Hawks have put him on the trade block? Because realistically, they've got Onyeka Okongwu, who's the next guy we'll talk about, who mm-hmm. had an 87 fantasy rank last year. And we'll dive into him a little bit more later because he's definitely a guy on our watch list. But he played 80 games last year. Capella only played 65 so is there more reliability in backing uh, backing a Kongwu to be the starting five this year for Atlanta? Because there's an argument now that he only played 3.5 minutes more per game, Capella, in comparison to a Kongwu. Is that minute split now starting to meet? Yeah, I think it is. Capella, is he in a contract season this year, the last year of his deal? Oh, that's a good question. I think he might be. I'm going to quickly check while you chat about him. But yep. um yeah, so with, with Okongwu, for those of you listening at home, almost uh, 10 points and 7 points to assist in a bench role. If he takes that starting role, there was one game last year he had, what do you have, 20 points, 18 rebounds. Like he, he was really, really effective on the floor. And I think Atlanta got a bit of an insight as to their future then, hence why these trade rumours are starting to heat up with Capella. Capella's not reliable in the way of getting consistent games together. He's not a threat outside of the three free throw line extended. Okongwu is not either, but I see Okongwu as a more versatile defender when you're in the pick and roll. He can do a job on a guard, not great, but he can still, you know, step in front of a guard, drive into the rim where we see Capella start to slow down a little bit and he's lost that quick first step. The difference, yeah, and you're spot on. The difference between Okongwu and Capella is Okongwu's ability to guard the perimeter. And I think... Mm. If you can isolate, and we see how much switching there is in the in the NBA this you know at these times, where you've got to have your five that can guard the two, and mm-hmm. uh, you know if you're getting switched onto a guard, Capella's in some serious trouble out there on the perimeter. So mm-hmm. I do like the fact that potentially they're investing in a Kongwu. Back to the contract chat. Uh, Capella signed an extension last year. So his last year of his deal is next year. He's got 40, $42.8 million coming his way over the next two seasons. So you're not getting an you're not getting a expiring contract from Capella if you pick him up this year, but you are getting a really good asset that can get you a double double night in night out and can average a block a game. So not not terrible, and obviously very good from the field goal uh, from field goal percentage. Sixty five percent is elite for a center. Mm-hmm. I mean, a Kong was sixty three point eight percent from the field, better free throw shooter, averages seven point two rebounds in uh, less minutes. Averages more assists, a better facilitator, same amount of steals and more blocks. I mm-hmm. mean, can you really argue with that? And I feel like Onyeka Okongwu has a better offensive bag than Capella does. Yeah, I think so too. So you've been an Atlanta Hawks man. 87 was his uh, fantasy rank at the end of last year. Where do you see him going this year? Tough one, isn't it? I mean, there's so Are many we waiting to see if Capella gets traded before draft time? 
or I think if Capella's there, does this impact where you're taking him? If Capella's there, it absolutely impacts where you're taking him. I mean, reality is if he Anyeka Okongwu has the starting five role, and depending on what that trade looks like, there is a there is a reality that you could take him as top 60 value this year in, in fantasy basketball. Now, the problem with this is we don't know what's happening with Capella. We don't know what they're targeting. We don't know whether Capella are looking at Toronto Raptors and going, yep, we're going to put a package together to get Siakam. Siakam starts at the five. There's, there's way too many question marks at the moment. I feel like a Kong takes a step up. But the one thing we need to remember also is that when Quinn Snyder took over the Atlanta Hawks coaching role, Okongwu actually took a dip in minutes, dropped about three minutes a game when Snyder took over. So does that continue? Is that a trend that continues moving forward? Is he not a fan of Okongwu? I mean, your guess is as good as ours in in terms of the way that they play that moving forward this year. But I still feel like Okongwu is going to play a bigger role this year. I feel like he has to. He's coming into his third year in the league. Capella's 29 turning 30. They've got to back the young fella, don't they? They do. Yeah, it's it's more in range with. So, what are your thoughts? Let's move on to Bogdan Bogdanovich. Let's do it. Yeah, that yeah that that is a good point. That is a good point. Uh, so Bogdan Bogdanovich, mate, he he missed the first twenty odd games of the season, so that's why I think his fantasy rank and also his ADP was a little bit shot out. So we're not going to look at his ADP. One hundred and thirty one rank last year. 54 games played, which is definitely less than you want for a fantasy asset. So you're not drafting him last year, but I think this year is a different scenario with him healthy. But averaging 28 minutes per game, 14-3-3, basically, uh, with 2.73s a game and 45% from the field, decent free throw percentage. What are your thoughts on Bogey? Because if he gets the six-man role for the Hawks, is he a guy that you could potentially draft maybe at the back end of your your 12-team leagues? Yes. Why? Field, uh, field goal percentage, three-point percentage, both not too bad. He's a reliable free-throw shooter. Rebounds and assists, not real great, but he's still going to get, as we can see, 28 minutes a game. That's that's almost starter-level minutes. So at, at the back end of your draft, he could be a, a sneaky little pickup. And who I anticipate being in the top five in our six-man of the year this year. Yeah, I like that. That's a good call. I mean, if he's in the top five or six man of the year, then Atlanta Hawks have done pretty well. So I'm mm-hmm. not going to argue with you on that one. Uh, but yeah, for, for Bogey, he does play a very specific role, doesn't he? I mean, realistically, if they've got Kobe Bufkin running the second unit or they've got DeJounte kind of moving in and out of that first and second unit to run the ball, Bogey takes a little bit of a step back and becomes a bit of a catch and shoot guy, doesn't he? He's not really relevant on the defensive end of the floor. So, yeah. Uh, speaking of a guy who might be a little bit more relevant this year, and we're not quite sure, but Sadiq Bay. What are your thoughts on Sadiq Bay? Because, I mean, he was ranked around the same as Bogey, 148. So, only 17 ranks behind Bogey. Uh, played 77 games, and obviously 50-odd of those were with Detroit Pistons. Uh, he took a little bit of a step back when he came over to Atlanta. Obviously, his role wasn't as prominent. Uh, at Atlanta as it was in Detroit. But what are your thoughts on Sadiq Bay? Is he, is he a guy that could potentially take a step up this year? Yeah, I think so. The reason why is Detroit purposefully gave him a lot of the ball to increase his trade value before he was moved on to Atlanta last year. So naturally, in a better team, he was always going to see his production dip. This year, it's a, it's a toss-up, isn't it, between Sadiq Bay and someone that we'll talk about later, Jalen Johnson, as to who comes into the starting lineup. If he goes into the starting lineup, he's a much better three-point shooter than John Collins. 
And for me, he's a better defender. When when you're talking about on the perimeter, he's a he's a six seven six eight small forward. We could call it. He's a lot quicker than John Collins. He's a lot more versatile than John Collins. I think Quinn Snyder will be able to utilize him a lot better than when they had John Collins on the team. And it's going to feel a little bit like Houston of 2020, isn't it? A little bit of small ball. Let's say, for instance, Sadiq Bay ends up playing at the four, right? There's not a lot of height in this Atlanta Hawks lineup. you got Capella, and let's say he stays there for the start of the season. you got Capella to protect the rim, and then what have you got? You've got four perimeter defenders. So you've got to kind of look at, like, who, who else is going to be able to help Capella in the paint? I don't know whether there's anybody, if I'm completely honest, unless we're, we're talking about Jalen Johnson, who we'll talk about mm-hmm. very soon, who could be a smoky. And there's only one inch of height difference in Jalen Johnson to Sadiq Bay. Yeah, yeah, I, I like it. Whether we're talking about him being as the starting four or whether he's going to be alongside Bogdanovich in that second unit, sharing, you know, your 10, 11 shots a game and and still playing his 26, 27 minutes off the pine, I still think he's going to get starter level minutes. 148 for someone like Sadiq Bay, he's at least going at the back end of the draft for me. Well, I mean, realistically, right? Like if you're playing 12-team, 12-category leagues and you, you most of the time 12-team, 15 players, isn't it? So it's like 160-odd players in your league. You're getting yeah. Sadiq Bay in, in potentially around 11 or 12. Like that, that's some seriously that's good value. value. Yeah. Yeah. So he could take a step up. We just need to see whether he gets the starting gig. I think that's probably the determining factor here, isn't it? Um, mate, two guys I don't really want to talk about too much, DeAndre Hunter and AJ Griffin. Now, AJ Griffin... Fantastic player. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I, I feel like he could, if he was given the starting three role, could probably do it competently. But yeah, it seems like it's DeAndre Hunter's. And it seems like the three role at Atlanta maybe is a little bit redundant. I mean, what did we see Hunter do last year? Not much. Realistically, he averaged, what, 15.4 points per game. But mm-hmm. I'm actually surprised at that number. It felt like he probably averaged closer to the 10 mark. He had a couple so, of uh, a few games maybe that blew out to maybe 20, 22, 23 points per game. But... 4.2 rebounds, 1.4 assists, 0.5 steals, 0.3 blocks for a guy that is considered to be an elite defender. Now, that's kind of showing that he isn't, is it? No, he's not. And I was of the impression that he was an elite defender before we started looking into the stats a lot more. And I picked him up off waivers in a Yahoo League last year. And the first two weeks that I had him, he went through, like I thought, Fucking shit, I, I've just picked up DeAndre Hunter for nothing. And he's gone 20 points, 25 points, shooting four threes a game. Who dropped him? They must be, you know, a screw loose or something. And then reality hit and he played shit. So I ended up dropping yeah. him myself and putting him back on waivers and then he went uh, unclaimed for the remainder of the year. So it's only now that I know that he's he's not fantasy relevant for me. In some stretches, maybe, if they've got injuries, but defensively, where I thought I'd get a leg up, the proof's in the pudding, 0.5 steals and 0.3 blocks a game. You are getting less than fuck all with him. Yeah, it's not good, is it? doesn't look good when you look at stats. And look, I mean, he plays a role for them. He's a spot-up shooter and a guy that probably guards one of the best players on the night, but he's just too small. Six foot seven. Like, you can't mm. guard a Giannis. They had him guarding Giannis, I think, a couple of years ago in the, uh, was it the Eastern Conference Finals? It was. You can't guard Giannis Antetokounmpo. Like, the, the guy's too small. So, I mean, he's kind of caught in that like that height range where maybe he will struggle to guard really quick guards and he'll struggle to guard big fours and big fives. 
So, uh, yeah, a bit tough for Hunter. I don't think he's a fantasy asset this year. 82.5% from the free throw line. Oh, it's borderline, isn't it, what you'd feel comfortable with grabbing? He's got to get there. I, I think you'll find his his attempts per game might be, what, three? Like it, it yeah, was, That's a good point. It wasn't that great. And I, I must say, he did attack the rim a lot more last year than he did the previous two seasons. So maybe that, that's, a, that's a coaching thing. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see how he plays under Quinn Snyder again. Uh, he did take a little bit of a step up in the postseason last year. So he went from shooting 40% from three to shooting 46% from three in the postseason. But again, that's not going to benefit you in fantasy basketball, is it? We're not talking about the postseason. We're talking about the regular season here. So, yeah, some lots of question marks, more question marks than answers, I think, for DeAndre Hunter and also AJ Griffin. So that's a definite watch, but probably a guy you don't look at. Before you move on from DeAndre Hunter, is there a potential trade asset as well that you have on your team? Look, he could be. I don't know. Uh, if anybody's listening to the Inside NBA podcast, they're probably not going to be trading for him, are they? But uh, maybe he could be. Maybe he could be a guy that, and like you mentioned, he's a guy that goes on streaks, isn't he? He's a guy that... Mm. You probably grab for 15, 20 games and he, he averages, you know, 18 and six or something like that. Depending on if he plays at the four, you might get some more rebounds from him. But if he plays at the three, he's a bit of a mid guy, isn't he? He's like your fourth option on the field. They probably would rely on Sadiq Bay a little bit more than they rely on DeAndre Hunter. He creates his, he, he doesn't really create his own shot that well. Catch and shoot guy. So do you want your fourth option in a starting five as a guy you rely on in fantasy basketball this year? Probably not. Probably not. All right. So uh, Jalen Johnson and Kobe Bufkin are the two last guys we'll talk about before we move on to our starting five predictions, mate. But Jalen Johnson is a guy that you're a big fan of, mate. So I might let you take the floor on on him. Uh, big upside. Big upside potential. Huge, huge upside. I, I say this is probably – alongside Okongwu, is one of the bigger breakout players for the Atlanta Hawks this year. We look at his minutes, and they don't jump out at you. 14.9 uh, minutes per game. Where are we? Sorry, uh, sorry, I skipped you. No, you're right. 5.6 points per game, half a three a game, 63 from the line, which is pretty ordinary. Four rebounds, one assist. They jump. They don't jump out at you. But what I like is when we're talking about starting – he started – uh, eight, six games last year, averaged eight points, six and a half rebounds, 2.3 assists, a steal, and 0.8 blocks. For me, that'll translate into really nice fantasy value if he starts. He's young. He's Absolutely. 20, what, 21, 22 now. He's shown flashes. There was a game last year where he had four blocks and looked phenomenal on the defensive end. I believe it was against Orlando. Mm. Uh, yeah, it was. Nine points, four blocks. A couple of threes. Like, he was really nice. Another game against Memphis, 14 points, nine rebounds, three assists, a steal, uh, a double-double against Denver of all teams with a block, 10 boards, 10 uh, points as well. So if he gets his opportunity, I I see fantasy value at the back end of the draft. I want to see if he's starting first, though, because you just – you don't know what's happening with Atlanta's second unit. You're looking at – just on the screen here, we've got Bufkin, who will – more than likely have the ball in his hands. AJ Griffin, flat-out shooter. Sadiq Blake, flat-out shooter. Bogdanovich, flat-out shooter. So when you're talking about all these sorts of players, when they get the ball off a, off a pick or a pop play or, you know, a set that's going to be run, it's it's basically threes galore with this team. So I'm not quite sure if it's going to be fantasy relevant if he's in the second unit. 
It's a good call because none of these guys really finish at the rim that well in this second no. unit. I mean, Kobe, Kobe Bufkin, probably one of the better ones. And we're mm-hmm. talking about a rookie here. So we don't know how that's going to translate to the NBA. But uh, Jalen Johnson, we know, can notoriously finish well at the rim. So the, the main concern for me is free throw. And you're probably, if he's attacking the rim a lot, he's going to have a lot of free throw attempts. And when people catch on to the fact he shoots 63% from the field, uh, sorry, 63% from free throw, not great. They're probably going to fail him more often than not. So, I mean, are you punting free throws or are you copying that at the back end of your draft? You probably are, to be fair. I mean, at the end of the day, if he's shooting 70%, let's say he takes a little bit of an uptake and he shoots 70% from the free throw line, it's not really the end of the world, is it, if you've got a lot of other good free throw shooters in your team? No, you'll take the 50% field goal percentage, though. That's nice. But I think also we're, we're talking about a guy that ranked 302nd last year in fantasy basketball. Yeah. 302. No one's picking yeah. him. No one is drafting this bloke if he's ranked 302nd. So you're backing this guy to have a big uptick this year, and I think we both are. Yeah, we are. So let's talk about starting five, mate, because I the way I see it is personally, I see obviously it's Trey Young, DeJounte Murray at the one and two. We've got Hunter, I think, probably stays at the three. I don't love it, but I think he probably stays at the three just based on what's happened in the last couple of years. We've got Sadiq Bay at the four and Clint Capella at the five. Now, I'm obviously a little bit unsure about how that four plays out, and there's a few guys that are kind of challenging for that role, specifically Sadiq Bay. Jalen Johnson and AJ Griffin are probably the three guys that are fighting for that starting power forward position. What are your thoughts on how this starting five plays out? Because there's a lot of question marks. I think they need to be better defensively. What were they last year? Ninth offensively and 20th, I think it was defensively. So when, yeah. when you look at the graph for those of you watching at home, Trey Young, 0.1 block per game, Murray, 0.3, Hunter, 0.3, Bay, 0.2. That's not even one block per game between four players. And then you've got mm-hmm. Cabela, who averages just over a, a buck a game. So, yeah, that's that's not really great when you're looking at fantasy value. So if you're looking to get a big uptick in your blocks, you're probably not looking at many people from the uh, Atlanta Hawks organisation. Assist-wise, you've got your two at the front. Steals-wise, you, you've got your two guards as well. Uh, Turnovers-wise, we're not really worrying about them just yet. There's nothing really that's jumping out the page apart from points per game where at the Atlanta Hawks starting five is either going to be average or better according to the graph we have here. Yeah. And I guess a few points on this. We don't know what's going to happen with Capella. We mentioned it earlier on in the show. Capella could be traded. And the reality is they're saying that there may be a trade between Dallas and Atlanta starting to brew. So do Dallas send over a Dwight Powell? They send over some assets, I guess, and maybe uh, Atlanta looking to free up a little bit more cap because the Mavericks actually have a little bit of cap to give. So it it actually seems like Capella to Dallas could be the most obvious landing point for him. So, I mean, what do they send back over? Probably nothing relevant. Realistically, I mean, are they looking to pick up a Tim Hardaway Jr. who's just another spot-up shooter? Like, probably not. Doesn't really fit the lineup that they already have. They've already got a million spot-up shooters, so they want one more. Uh, you know, the one guy I would love from Dallas as an Atlanta supporter is Josh Green in that trade. And I, I feel like we'd be doing ourselves a disservice at the Hawks if we weren't asking for Josh Green in return for Clint Capella. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot to play out there. And does a Kongwu slip into the starting five? We just don't know. But if he does, he's a pickup in your probably top... I would argue you would get 
Okongwu, if he ends up, if Clint Capella ends up getting traded and Okongwu is given the starting five role, I reckon you'd pick him up in your top six rounds. I reckon you could get him in the sixth to seventh round. Mm-hmm. And that's, we're talking obviously uh, 12 team, nine cat there. So you could probably get him in your top 70. And I wouldn't be upset with that considering we'll talk about Okongwu very soon, but there's some good value there. Uh, The question mark is, is DeAndre Hunter a starter? And does AJ Griffin maybe start to pip him? And you've just uh, given me a big thumbs down and I completely agree with you because I think what we've seen from DeAndre Hunter just isn't enough, is it? I mean, a guy that averages 15 points, probably more closer to 12 realistically throughout the year with a few big blowout scores, four rebounds, 1.4 assists, fuck all steals and blocks, and 1.2 turnovers a game isn't really great either, is it? No, so when when we're looking at DeAndre Hunter, he's been in the NBA for three or four years now. The only category that he ranks better than average is his turnovers per game. (laughs) For someone as highly touted as what he is, you need better out of him. So for a guy that was a top ten lottery pick, wasn't he? He was a yeah, lottery pick. He was. So when when you're looking at these stats and NBA go on analytics and numerical statistics and whatever else, you look at this and you go, this bloke doesn't jump out at us because nothing's popping off the page. He's just playing Jane, isn't he? Yep. Yep. So yep. you could, he's you not could get much better value, couldn't you? I think you could inject more into this. We see the field goal percentage for the Atlanta Hawks all. If you take out Capella, it's rated as poor or really poor. Yep. Why not throw a AJ Griffin in there? You know, someone that can shoot the ball quite well. AJ Griffin shot the ball really well from three last year too. I mean, yeah. DeAndre Hunter's three-point shooting, I think, was closer to maybe 38. And AJ Griffin shot the ball at more than 40% from three. Like, I mean... and he's probably a better defender if if I'm honest. I mean, and when we're looking at a guy that plays well in the clutch, AJ Griffin had two buzzer beater winners for the Hawks last year. I know it doesn't really mean much for fantasy basketball, but the guy's got it in his genes. So do you give AJ Griffin a crack this year? I'll tell you what, as soon as I see AJ Griffin win that spot over DeAndre Hunter, he'll be straight into my team off off waivers. Uh, I don't know whether I draft him, but he'll be straight in my team unless we see more from preseason games. For sure. Now, last thing I want to mention before we move on, mate, is the, funnily enough, the most effective net rating lineup for the Hawks last year didn't involve four of their five starters. So when we're talking about net rating, we're talking about plus minus. Trey Young obviously was the point guard, the main guy, but the most effective net rating team and lineup for the Hawks was Trey, Bogey, Sadiq Bay, Jalen Johnson, and Onyeka Okongwu with a plus 63 net rating which is massive across the season. And that That's what does really that awesome. tell you about DeJounte Murray, DeAndre Hunter, and Clint Capella? That's telling me trade Capella, bench Hunter, and Murray will get better. But Murray will get better. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I yeah, think more so 100%. And I think also we're, we're very quick to judge Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, are we? Like they've had a season together. Give them, give them some more time. It'll improve. It'll get better. They'll understand their roles a little bit more. If Trey Young's three-point percentage picks back up, they become a better unit. I think they'll be okay. But a very interesting yeah. stat. I mean, their bench lineup did better than their starting lineup last year. So, mate, I want to talk about Onyeka Okongwu because there's some very telling stats between when he played with Capella and when he played without him. 
And obviously, with Capella being on the trade block, there's a lot of relevance to this conversation now. He averaged 7.5 points per game, 5.1 rebounds, 0.9 blocks in 17 minutes and 66% from the floor with Capella in the team. Now, without Capella, last year, he averaged 10.8 points per game, 8.8 rebounds, 2.1 blocks, which is massive, 30 minutes a game, so nearly double the amount of time on the court. And his efficiency dropped a little bit, but only only 5% from the field, which you can cop when the guy's taking much more shots. Now, in the final 30 days of the 22-23 season, Onyeka Kong was ranked 37th in fantasy basketball for the final month. 37th we're talking third about. Round value. That is back end of third round, start of fourth round value, mm. which is nuts for what you think about Kong and what he can do on the court. But we've seen now, the stats don't lie. Without Capella, the guy is a seriously good fantasy basketball asset. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, so let's that's hope phenomenal. he gets the starting five. If you had just told me this without showing me the numbers behind this, I'd call bullshit. But proofs in the pudding, have a look at this. Like, it, it makes me salivate to the thought of potentially picking up uh, double O before any of you assholes do in our leagues. <laughs> We're going to beat you to it. That's for yeah. sure. That's for like sure. It. We'll draft him. We'll draft him. All right, mate. Take us into Jalen Johnson. I know you're pretty excited about him, so take the floor. Yeah, I am. So when we're talking about the last 30 days for Jalen Johnson, 17.6 minutes per game. So his minutes went up over 500 from the floor. Nice. Free throws at 500, not real great. Three-point percentage, or three-point make, sorry, not great, along with his three-point percentage. Points, 8.4. Meh, not great, but... He's probably the fourth to fifth option on the floor. Uh, rebounds, assists, you know, average, which is fine. Again, he's not the first, second, or third option on when he's on the floor. Steals rated as good. Blocks rated as good. Turnovers rated as good. So for me, I see this as if he gets the opportunity and he builds confidence in himself, as we see the last seven days, he knew he was getting a crack. He jumped that to nearly two steals a game at 1.4 blocks. That's that's very good territory when you're talking defensively. So if he gets that starting role and gets a bit of a roll on, gets some cohesion with the starters, I'm not saying he's going to be top 100 value, but top one, or if you're picking him around 120, 125, really like that. Yeah, I mean, as an Atlanta Hawks supporter, I'm, I'm sitting there going, I'm looking at John Collins and what John Collins is doing in this starting lineup. I'm like, put Jalen Johnson in there. If JJ got a start, he could do what John Collins did last year. And John Collins, correct me if I'm wrong, averaged 13, six and a half, and one when he started in 70 odd games or whatever it was last year. Can, mm-hmm. can Jalen Johnson become the John Collins and just fill that stat sheet? Realistically, he could probably do better. When you're looking at the last seven days, which look, we don't take too much from. I mean, he averaged 104. He was 104th ranked fantasy player in the final week. And that's in five games as well, not three games. That's five games, 20 minutes a game. And he averaged 1.8 steals and 1.4 blocks. Tell me a player. That is insane. That is insane Mm -hmm. value. So look, if he gets a starting gig, I mean, again, like the same kind of conversation we've had about a Kongwu, it's all dependent, I guess, on whether he sees the minutes or not. But if he gets himself 20 minutes a game, there could be some really nice uptick value there. 100%. Mate, let's wrap this one up. 50 minutes of the Hawks flying. Uh, now, we're obviously, sports bet 
kindly enough have put up the over-unders in terms of wins for each team. So we've got something to reference here. But how do you see the Atlanta Hawks going this year? Do you see them improving? Because they went 41-41 and 41 last year and obviously got bounced out by Boston 4-2 in the, in the first round of the playoffs. Do you f- see them doing better this year or do you see them taking a step back? Improving. I think another season okay. together, Trey and DeJounte together, I think with John Collins gone, I reckon that was a big distraction to the Atlanta Hawks organization. You could see that when he wasn't getting the ball and he was phased out of the offense, he was visibly frustrated last year. With him removed now, with some youth coming in, I think they're better. I'm I'm thinking 45, 46 wins. They'll finish around the fourth, fifth seed. And I, I'm not picking them to win it, but I think they can make some noise in the finals. And it also score. depends. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. I think 45, 46 is realistic. I think they're, they're not going to be a 50-win team. They're not good enough to be a 50-win team. But there's too many question marks around what they do with Capella. If they turn Capella into Pascal Siakam or they they find another four or five elite big man asset that they can use, and then you've got, let's say, for instance, let, let's just get a little bit wild about it and go, you've got Trey Young, you've got DeJounte Murray, and you've got a guy like DeAndre Ayton or something like that, you know, because we know that DeAndre Ayton's been a little bit frustrated at Phoenix. Who knows what happens there? So do they? can you get three elite players on one lineup in one starting five? Like the Hawks could do some damage with three elite players on the court. So very, very close watch on Clint Capella, on what happens there with that trade, because it is clear that he's on the block. And uh, hopefully Atlanta can do something with it. But, mate, we've had some, uh, we've had some good fun. Atlanta Hawks done and dusted. Any, any final words, anything kind of maybe some hot takes around how you think Atlanta are go? or maybe some players that you want to keep an eye on? I can't believe we spoke this long about the Atlanta Hawks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you didn't even follow them, mate. Mate, I've been the one fucking here chewing your ear off the whole time. No, I, I, like they're a sneaky, nice team. When you, when you look into the analytics of what we're doing here with NBA Fantasy, there's some potential really good picks here. Trey Young in the 20s, that's that's nuts. I think I think he, he definitely improves on that issue. I think DeJounte improves. What was he, 47? That's a back end of the fourth round. I see him improving there as well. If I can, Okongwu, sorry. Capella gets traded out. Okongwu comes in. We've seen the last month he was top 40. So there's Mm -hmm. plenty of value here with the Atlanta Hawks organization that I'll be watching closely. Absolutely. Capella, keep in mind, was ADP of 83 last year. So anybody who took Capella got a 20-rank jump on on where they got him. So even if he gets traded, he's a watch. We didn't talk about that at all. But if he gets no. traded to a team that needs a big man like Dallas Mavericks, he could be a seriously good fantasy he's, asset for you next year with Kyrie and and uh Luka Doncic. He's he's gonna eat the center minutes there because what have they got there at the moment? Dwight Powell and Derek Yeah, Maxi Kleber and Dwight Powell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they haven't got a big man, that's for sure. So that's probably no. why the, the talk is around Dallas. But mate Thanks for joining me. It's always been a pleasure. Guys, obviously, if you're watching and you made it to the end, we appreciate you, your support, and we appreciate appreciate you watching. Go to thestandardsqueeze.com. Use the code INSIGHT15 to get yourself 15% off all of their products. I'm a Sukraj Brain, and I've joined by the big horse. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. This has been the Insight Fantasy Sports Podcast. Catch you later. See ya. <laughs>